What's up, Predators? Thanks for tuning in to the audio portion of the Smasher Pass broadcast with Travis and Dean. If you want to catch the video portion of it whenever we go live, check it out on YouTube at Apex Predator Outdoors and at Lung Crusher 53. Whenever we go live there, you can comment and be part of the show live. Comment and talk to our guests and uh, be a part of the show. So if you want to check it out, again, go check it out at Apex Predator Outdoors or Lung Crusher 53 at YouTube and be part of the show and also guys go ahead and subscribe and like and hit that little notification bell so you can be reminded whenever we post new episodes of the show and also subscribe to the feed here wherever you're listening to it so you can make sure that you never miss a new episode thanks predators and as always keep defying the odds all right i think we're live here so uh, what is going on, Predators? It's Travis here with Apex Predator Outdoors. Today we are doing a live stream here. We got a special guest. We've got Trail Kreitzer from Go Hunt, and uh, we also got uh, Dean here with us. We're going to be talking uh, about gear. We're going to talk about some updates with the Go Hunt app and uh, see how everything's going on there, and just uh, have a conversation with another great outdoorsman guy. Something we've somebody we've always looked up to, and uh, hopefully he can give us uh, a lot of great information and help us grow as archers. So. Uh, Without further ado, Dean, I'll give a little introduction, and we'll let Trail give his turn. Well, hey, this is Dean. Thanks a lot, guys, for joining us. Uh, we appreciate uh, Trail taking some time out to, to come on and hopefully get some some great information from him, learn a little bit more about Go Hunt, uh, about their maps, and uh, and just kind of pick his brain about how he attacks elk and antelope and packs and whatever questions you may guys uh, may have. So. With that being said, Jill, um, again, thank you so much for taking some time out. Um, could you just give us a little quick background on Go Hunt and what's, what's your background for, for the people that may not know? Sure. Yeah, so I'm uh, originally born and raised in southern Utah. I still live here. Um, and I live about 45 minutes from the town I was born in. <laughs> I, uh, my dad was a park ranger, so he was a state park manager at, at a reservoir. And it was a tiny little town. I mean, I had one kid in my, in my elementary class, so just me and one kid. So super rural environment, grew up hunting and fishing right across the street from a reservoir. So like from an early age, you know, I just, I love the outdoors. So, and that's the way we were raised, um, luckily. Um, yeah, so I, I live here in Cedar City. Um, I guess my my background, I, I went to school to be a wildlife biologist, and I worked for the Utah Game and Fish here for about eight years as a habitat biologist, so I did that. Um, you know, I did some, some stints with the Forest Service seasonally when I was going to college, and just kind of, like I said, it, it all kind of led to the just the fact that I wanted to be outdoors as much as I possibly could, and I love to hunt. And uh, I used to freelance write, so I would write, um, you know, articles, whether it was gear articles or, you know, methods or, you know, tips and, and tactics for, for go hunt while I was working for the state and uh, kind of eventually just got to a point where they had a position that opened up and so I kind of flowed the idea to my life and kicked around the idea and ultimately it was the, the opportunity to be more uh, in the field in the fall hunting. Uh, that led to me to, to making the switch and jumping over to go hunt. So I, I switched over to, to go hunt. I've been here about five years. So it's, it's been good. Yeah, good go hunt. I mean, if you guys, if you're familiar with go hunt at all, I mean, we, we started out, we have a, uh, a subscription service called go hunt insider and we can dive into that. I'm sure uh, we've just recently moved into uh, a mapping app. Um, so we have our own mapping app and mapping platform on the site. If you're a Go Hunt Insider, you already get that, but you can now purchase that as a separate purchase if you want. Uh, if you don't want to be a Go Hunt Insider, you just want the maps portion. We call that Go Hunt Explorer. And then uh, we also have a, a gear shop. So this massive gear shop that we've been <laughs> working and growing. 
So you said you had uh, uh, you're working on uh, updating the the map this past week. Is what what all new do have they to that? Yeah. So the the mapping platform we've had available for oh maybe six months or so, and that was available if you were Go Hunt Insider, you had access to that. Uh, it's a a web based map you know platform uh, that you can use with your insider account or you know and you can download that to your phone and use that as a separate you know app just like a gps um, so last week we launched a, a separate membership so we've never offered any other membership other than go hunt insider and now we offer you know essentially two memberships so the go hunt insider which includes you know the research platform the draw odds you know filtering mm -hmm. uh, strategy articles uh, as well as the mapping platform or if you just want maps uh, and you want that app on your phone we have this platform called go hunt explorer which is just simply the maps portion of that platform and that's 50 bucks nice the, uh, I said, I, I, go ahead Josh. i was gonna say so uh, the insider package for those people who don't know that's got a, basically a lot of data if i'm correct right i'm still kind of getting used to uh, go hunt and it's one of the things I've done uh, a really in-depth, like hour-long reviews of uh, Hunt Stand, Onyx, Base Map, and that's like the next one everybody's recommending is Go Hunt. So I'm starting to dive into that. And so talk a little bit about some of that, if you will. Yeah, so we we started out in 2013, and Lorenzo, who who's the the owner at Go at Go Hunt, he uh, he went to school up to Montana, and he you know grew up in Nevada. And if you're familiar with Nevada at all, uh, or even Southern Utah for, for that matter, uh, the opportunities to get permits are, are quite limited. You have to enter a lottery. Um, there's a, you know, a whole process that goes into it. So he goes to you know, school to Montana and he finds out that the process in Montana is quite a bit different than it is from Nevada, than it is from Utah, than it is from Arizona and, and every state. So you know, he's looking for a way to essentially um, you know, quickly research hunting opportunities in various states because you can kind of see the writing on the wall that you know if you want to hunt you want to hunt more often you've got to have kind of a multi-state strategy you got to be applying and playing the game essentially in, in every state so he uh took a look at that you know didn't see any you know anybody out there that was providing anything like that online and so you know he got together with you know chris porter who's you know now our ceo but Essentially, they you know worked together. They developed a, a team, and, and we built this thing called Go Hunt Insider. So, um, essentially, what it is is it's uh, it's a, a Western research platform. So, you know, we we cover application strategy articles. So, for for example, so that's primarily what I do from you know I would say December all the way through May, is I write these application strategy articles, which I go through with a fine tooth comb and I break down you know each individual state's draw system. And then, you know, I'm going to find all these little, you know, geeky pieces of information like, you know, up-to-date buck-to-doe ratios. And you know, I'm going to comb through biologist job completion reports. And I'm going to pull in, you know, populations and, and just all this, you know, data that can really help people understand, like, you know, what's the best use of, of their points in the West and, and their application in the West. So that's a big part of it. Um, another huge part of that Go Hunt research platform, the, the Insider platform, is Draw Odds. Uh, you know, if you're not familiar with the West, really the, the primary way you're going to get a permit is by drawing a permit in, a, in the state lottery. And a lot of them use point system, whether it's a preference point system or a bonus point system. Um, but, but you really do have to understand how those systems work and then understand the odds of drawing a permit. Um, 
so we break down the draw odds. We cover every hunt in you know every western state, so 13 states at this point. And uh, we we cover draw odds for antlered species. We cover draw odds for you know doe, you know cow elk, um, you know antlerless species as well. So that's another big part of what we do. And then kind of like our bread and butter that we're probably most well known is this thing called filtering 2.0. And uh, essentially what it, it does is it allows you to pull up a state and a species. Um, and then you can filter by the type of hunt you're looking for. So if you want to filter by things like trophy potential, you can do that. If you want to filter by harvest success, you can do that. If you want to filter by the percentage of public land or, you know, even a series of dates that you have free to hunt, you can do that. And you can filter, you know, for, for the hunts that are, that are applicable to you. So essentially what it's done is it's given people the ability to do a, uh, a massive amount of research in in a very short amount of time whereas before you know people like myself i was pouring through each individual state's draw reports i was pouring through their biologist reports and i was trying to find all this data but you know now i've got it everything in a, a really nice concise workable package that's awesome because like you said with the time thing it's like you know, we're, we're having to schedule us, you know, kind of as everyday guys that are just, we work a day job and we're trying to get out there. It's like, we've got so much, uh, that goes into that planning. It's like, we got to talk about gear. We got to talk about, you know, do those research ahead of time. And if you've already got a lot of that done for you, or at least mm -hmm. you know, get the first steps of that done for each where, you know, I can't go out there and spend a week scouting and stuff like that. We live in Texas, yeah. you know, and I can't go right. scouting for a week and then come back out there and spend a week and a half or something hunting. I need to make sure that when I get there, that like, a lot of that work's done for me. That's, that's, that's really big. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I mean, what it's done is it's opened the door to opportunities you may not have known even existed, you know, and if you want a chance to go hunting, there's definitely opportunities out there. It's just, it's so hard to do it on your own. Whereas if you've got this platform with everything kind of built into it, and it's a really nice, concise, easy to use package, you know, it'll open up opportunities that you, you probably didn't even know were out there for you. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, uh, Dean, do you have a question about, the, about Go Hunt before we move on to something else? Yeah, I think one of the couple of things I was thinking about was um, just kind of looking at hunting in general. When you get on your, um, you know, on the e-scouting, what's your strategy as far as kind of finding those spots? How far in are you, you know, thinking about hiking in? Do you do a base camp close, drop, and then hike in? And do you have a kind of in your head, I'm going to stay within this two mile radius or five mile mm -hmm. radius of wherever I drop uh, before I go out. Sure. Uh, I think it depends on, you know, on the species. It depends on the time of the year. Um, you know, for example, if I'm doing an antelope hunt, you know, the first thing I'm looking for when I'm e-scouting is water because they're just so dependent on water, you know, especially early in the season. So those are first and foremost the things that I'm cruising. I'm just looking at the landscape, looking for water sources. Uh, if I jump over to like an archery elk hunt, for example, um, you know, the, the first thing I'm really looking at is, is uh, well, I should say, one of the first things I do for archery elk is I'll turn on a burn layer. I just want to look at the burn scars because I've had so much success hunting, you know, burn scars because the, the regrowth, the regeneration there is just like ice cream, right, for elk. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at those kinds of things. I'm looking at water. Um, you know, I the, my style of hunting, the way that I like to hunt is I like to backpack hunt for, for archery elk. And I like to keep a mobile camp. So I, I don't often base camp. 
um, you know, I'll, I'll live off my back and I usually am in a different spot every single night. And, and I like to, I like to follow a herd. I like to be in the action every single day, you know, at night when I go to bed, I want to be as close to that herd as I can be within reason without bumping them. And then first thing in the morning, I want everything back on my back and I want to be cruising and, and searching for those bugle and bulls as I go. So, um, I don't worry too much, to be honest. I, I don't, I don't worry too much about, you know, roadless areas, for example, I do look at them. Um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of head that direction if, if I think there's going to be some elk in there, but you know, I'm, I'm hunting from the get go, you know, as soon as I get out of my truck, I've, I've got my pack on my back and everything I need to stay maybe five to six days. And, and I'm just going to go wherever I get into elk. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, a, that's a great segue to uh, one of the questions we were talking about is, do you have an ideal pack weight? that you're going in with, or, you know, what, what do you cut out? What do you, what are must haves? Like, do you have a kind of a strategy before you go in, uh, how you approach that? Yeah. So for, for like a typical archery elk hunt, um, you know, let's say I've got an area picked out that I, I think is going to hold some elk in it. Uh, I think it's got some potential. It's got water, it's got, you know, feed, it's got bedding, those big North facing, you know, slopes for bedding. It's an area that I think has got some potential. I'll typically load up for like five to six days of, of gear. So that's, you know, one gallon Ziploc bags packed, you know, with one day's worth of food. And then, you know, my gear. So, you know, I, I like to bivy hunt. So I like a bivy sack and I like a sleeping bag and a, and a sleeping pad. Um, you know, I'll take a tarp typically and I'll pitch that only if it looks like I'm going to get some rain uh, at night. Other than that, I'm just going to throw my bivy out, throw my sleeping bag in it with a pad, and I'm just going to, you know, hunker in and sleep under the stars. And that's the way I like to hunt. Um, you know, keeps the weight down. Um, you know, I'm packing a, a small stove, you know, for, you know, dehydrated meals or freeze-dried meals. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm packing not a lot of gear other than, than those kind of your, your basics, you know what I'm saying, and my kill kit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as clothing goes, I'm not running – I'm not taking extra pants or socks or underwear or anything like that or shirts. You know, I'm, I'm running what I've got on me. I'll typically have a mid layer in my pack, an insulation layer, and maybe a, a really lightweight, you know, rain layer. And so when it comes to pack weight, I would say for five to six days, I'm right around that 45 to 50 pounds, you know, with, okay. with some water. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really good actually, man. Kind of surprising. I thought it would have been more upwards close to like 55, 60 that, uh, like I say, I've, I've never, I've done a lot of, uh, hiking in the backcountry, but I've never really done much, you know, hunting. So it's like a lot of a different purpose there whenever you're packing that bag and, uh, you know, you do a lot of gear reviews and actually I just watched, uh, uh rewatched your, uh, a couple of your elk, uh, backcountry elk, uh, mm -hmm. gear, gear dumps, you know, and I was really fascinated by that. But, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask too is, um, with your frame pack, I guess one of the things I, I'm curious about, because this is going to be my next big purchase, is buying a, a really solid frame pack. And I was going to see what you recommend, what size, you know, what's really for the for the guy that's just trying this for the first time. What is important when you're looking at a gear, a nice frame pack for hiking your gear in? Mm -hmm. So I would say size is definitely something worth considering, you know, depending on what, what, what type of hunting you want to do. Um, you know, if you want to get into backpack hunting and you're looking at that four to maybe six day window uh, of backpack hunting, off, living off your back, you know, I, I think you got to look at something in that, um, you know, 4,500 cubic inches to maybe 56, 6,000, you know, cubic inches. Um, yeah, it, that's kind of the wheelhouse, if you will, you know, and then, 
Beyond that, you probably want to look at, uh, you know, a pack that's comfortable. I don't know if you guys have the opportunity to, to, to visit, you know, a shop and try on some different packs. But, you know, if you find a pack that you like and that, that rides well with you, um, you know, that's worth con worth considering. I mean, if, if you can find that, a lot of people can't, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I would look at things like the, the hip belt, you know, does it look like it's going to support and, and stay up on your waist? You know, is it comfortable? It's got good padding, you know, shoulder straps, same kind of thing. Uh, for me, height of a frame is a big deal. I'm a, I'm a little bit taller, so I'm six foot two. We got a long torso. So for me, you know, I, I try to stay away from frames that are, you know, 24, 25 inches. I want something that's 26 inches because it's going to give me a little bit added angle on my load lifter. Um, so that's something worth considering. Um, you know, some guys really like a, a pack that has a lot of pockets because they don't, you know, they want organization to their pack and they don't want to have to carry like any extra pockets or, or pouches to store the rest of their gear in. So in that case, you know, there are packs like the, the Mr. Ranch Beartooth that have got some internal pockets to help you with your gear organization so you don't have to add a bunch of extra pockets and things. Um, weight, so like bear pack weight is something worth considering. Um, you know, I'm kind of middle of the road guy. I, I, I don't want a really heavy pack but i also don't really love the uh the fit and you know the function of a super ultra light pack on my back when that thing's fully loaded i kind of want something kind of middle of the road you know that can support the weight a lot of weight if, if i need to put it in it um so that's definitely worth considering kind of bare pack weight um you know one thing i i look for in a pack and this is probably i don't know if it's something that people think about but um, you know, if you kill an animal and you're going to haul an animal out, um, I really like a load shelf. So the shelf is going to sit between the bag and the frame so you can load meat or quarters in between those two. And for me, the position of that load shelf is really important. I want that load shelf kind of up off the base of my hips. So if I can, you know, if you can kind of, you know, picture if you've got a bucket on your frame, you're going to load the weight of that uh, meat in your pack. Um, I want that weight up off my hips, maybe four to five inches. What that's going to do is it's going to secure that weight further up my back and it's going to free up my hips when I'm hawk, you know, walking when I've got like a hundred or 80 pound pack on. So those are, those are just some factors that I look for. Yeah, that's good to know. Cause I wouldn't have even thought about that. Cause when that load shelf is really low, like I said, all that weight's going to be carried low as well. So if you can get that up, like where, like around the middle of your back or so the small of your back kind of up in that area, then it gives you a little more room to, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just kind of, just kind of right there above your hips, you know, like right mm. there above the small of your back, and it really does make a difference. I, I've been doing, um, you know, like weighted pack um, hikes in the morning, and I've tried, you know, a bunch of different packs, and I can tell you unequivocally, it makes a big difference on where that load sits, that heavy weight sits on your back. Yeah, yeah, I think it's funny too. I just just uh, got a, a bigger pack myself, and now my my concern is, you know, am I going to fill it? And it's heavy to get in. <laughs> so I'll consider how much am I going to take in and not go, not, not thinking it's a, it's a gun safe and go bigger, go home. Cause I'll, I'll pack more, way more than what I need. <laughs> That's definitely, it happens for people, you know, they get a big pack and they think, Oh, I've got extra room here. I'll just fill that up with some extra stuff, you know, extra food, yeah, yeah. extra clothes. You, you can talk yourself into some comforts that you won't need for sure. Every ounce adds yeah. up, man. Yeah, just yeah. in case weighs a lot, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it does, right? I mean, I, I've got some of those every year. You know, I, I try to come home at a, the end of a hunt, you know, even if it's just a short hunt, five, four, five-day hunt. 
and kind of evaluate, you know, like, did I use this, this thing that I took with me? You know, is it, is it an item that I really need? If it isn't, you know, ditch it next time. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. You know, one thing I was talking about with Dean too, it'd be interesting is, uh, uh, something I've been looking into is trying to take like a bushcraft or like a backcountry's, you know, like a kind of a survival skills <laughs> class. Cause I think like the more stuff that I could, or the less stuff I could take in with me. So like if I needed something to hammer tent stakes in the ground, or if I could even go without tent stakes and just kind of, you know, forge some in the field, mm-hmm. you know, with some, you know, some sticks or something like that, that'd be even less and less and less weight, uh, that I could take on. So that's something I'm probably going to be looking into and, maybe posting some videos about that. Cause I think that'll be super helpful. Have you ever gone into any of that, gone that deep into it and figured that stuff out yet? Or. Tom, I, I haven't gone, I haven't gone that deep. I would say, you know, I, I, I still carry some stakes just because if it's pouring down rain and I just want to get my tarp up, you know, I, I want to be able to pull out those stakes and do it. And I've had that happen a number of times where, you know, I've just got caught in the storm. And I need to throw that thing up as quick as possible. Um, I do pack super ultra light stakes. So, you know, I like these little MSR needle stakes, they're called. Um, you know, they, they also make some carbon fiber stakes that are great, super, super lightweight. Um, so I, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. Um, I would say I'm kind of middle of the road. I'm not like the ultra light ounce counters that some people are. I mean, you know, Brady that works here, he, a few years ago, he decided he's going to completely ditch his his stove you know all together and not pack a stove at all and he and he mostly just goes on what he calls a bar diet so when he's back there hunting he's mostly just eating you know these you know meal meal bars and you know other food that he doesn't have to heat and warm up um you know for that he'll probably be able to ditch about a pound pound and a half where he doesn't have to take the stove but for me i just like a hot meal at night you know (laughs) there's been a lot of nights when a lot of nights when that was the best part of the whole day, you know, was, was getting to, to, to warm up a, a warm meal and eat that. So for me, you know, if I got to pack, pack an extra pound for a stove to make some coffee or a hot meal at night, I'll do so. So I'm, I'm kind of middle of the road, I would say. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to do it without coffee, man. That's non-starter. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, the what's uh what's your thought on you know all the all the stuff we kind of talk about with with arrow setups um you know high foc you know what where do you kind of fall in that category for both elk and antelope are they the same like what's your what's your kind of thought on that yeah i think i shoot the same setup all year i mean i'll i I, in fact i've got i've got a fletching jig and probably five arrows right here on my desk that i'm kind of working on um but uh i I shoot the same setup i practice with it all summer um and again i'm i'm kind of a middle of the road guy i like an foc that's probably somewhere between 10 and 13 percent you know i don't go overboard on you know pushing the weight on the front end of my arrow up to like 14 15 16 percent um you know finish total arrow grain weight for me uh whether i'm hunting antelope or elk is probably going to be right around that 460 to maybe 475, 480 grain range. And I, it's, it's just worked for me, you know, so I, I kind of stick with it. I like a fixed blade broadhead for elk. Um, you know, I've shot some antelope with a, an expandable and had no issues there. So I may go with that, but um, you know, p- pretty standard, you know, just a basic hundred grain head with a, you know, 50 grain insert, um 300 spine arrow total arrow grain weight you know like i said right around that 460 470 grain range 
Interesting. Well, I know antelope has is, is been on my bucket list. Uh, we don't have, uh, unless you go up to the panhandle here in Texas, um, mm -hmm. they're kind of hard to find. Um, so I it's $2,000 a, a tag. <laughs> yeah. 2000 bucks yeah. a tag. Exactly. The, um, what's your, you know, antelope specifically, what's that average, you know, distance shot for those? It really depends on the type of hunt you're doing. You know, if you're, you're spotting stock hunting, you could end, you could potentially end up with some shots that are, you know, out there as far as you, you comfortably feel shooting an animal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say it's, it's switched on as those animals are. You know, I probably wouldn't push, you know, maybe that 50, 60 yard mark, to be honest. Um, okay. You know, at, out of a blind, um, you can kind of dictate the situation. So for me, I don't want to be right on top of them. You know, I want to give them enough room that they feel comfortable if I'm hunting a water hole. So, you know, I, I like 30 yards, maybe. It's, it's kind of the sweet spot for me uh, on a blind on an antelope. And the other thing I like about hunting out of a blind uh, on water for antelope is that, you know, you get a chance to see them. You know, they're a little bit more relaxed. They come in, you get a chance to, like, let them, you know, get a drink, get the full draw, you know, and, and you get to pick your distance. So I, I like hunting out of a blind if I can. But, yeah, I would say anywhere between, you know, 30 yards to, to 60 probably. Interesting. It was last year we was driving up for our elk hunt and, and, uh, we stopped cause there's two, two that were on a, look like a, some private property, but we stopped the car and got, I thought, God, elk hunting is easy, man. They're right here on the, on the road. Like what's the, what's the big deal? They just stood there and looked at us, you know? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, tell, tell hunting seasons comes around then they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. So on the topic of antelope, where do you usually go uh, hunting animal? Do you hunt them there, there uh, herds up in there in Utah? Are you ever been to like, a, my thing is I want to go into South Dakota because the tags are cheap and they're just like everywhere out there. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, South Dakota is an awesome opportunity. I mean, you could do over the counter for archery. Um, I've, I've not been out there and done South Dakota. Um, for me, I've, I've hunted out West. So Utah, which is a they, get, they call it a limited entry species, and you, you can only, you know, as a resident of Utah, I can only apply for one limited entry species at a time. So I've, I've typically applied for elk until I've drawn my tag. And then in the years where I'm waiting, I'm in a waiting period until I can apply again for elk, uh, I'll apply for archery antelope and, and draw that. So I've drawn tags in Utah. Um, Wyoming is the best state for antelope. Um, you know, they've got more antelope than anywhere. And you know, currently you can still draw permits relatively easily. Uh, you know, even though it's, it's getting a little bit harder, they've had some hard winters and their herds have taken some hits. So there are, you know, some declines as far as tag numbers and antelope go up there. But I would say, you know, really your best chances are, are uh, you know, Wyoming. Um, you know, Colorado's still got some opportunities. Idaho's still got some opportunities. Uh, and really what I try to do is, uh, you know, try to pick a state you know, every year that I can get an antelope tag in. So a few years ago, I was lucky enough, I drew an antelope tag in uh, Nevada. You know, a year ago, I drew an antelope tag in Arizona, which is like almost impossible. It's hard to draw an antelope tag in Arizona than it is an elk tag. So, you know, just kind of bucked the system and was lucky and I drew an antelope tag there. Um, you know, this year I'm looking at going back to uh, either Wyoming or, or Idaho. Are those, we had heard that they, they don't, pattern like you know white tail do it, it, it have you found that is it for a guy that's coming in from you know texas to wyoming is there mm -hmm. a trip of narrow that that down or you you got to go for seven days to to 
figure that out? Uh, they don't pattern in the sense that you're going to find them like in the, you know, like the same spot every, every day, if you will, in my experience, what they are is, is pretty centralized around water, especially early season on an archery hunt. Uh, if you can find a water hole, um, you know, and you see a buck near a water hole, you can, you can pretty well make the, the assessment that he's not going to be too far from that water source. Uh, and then once, you know, once, once you're targeting a single buck, you know, it's just a matter of days in the field, you know, whether that's spot and stock, you just got to get chances or, you know, if you're going to hunt a water hole, um, especially if he's maybe hitting multiple water holes, you may have to sit that for a bunch of days before you actually have that buck come in. But I would say your, your best, uh, asset in scouting for antelope, especially early season archery is, is to find the water and scout those water holes, the areas around the water, water holes. Okay. Interesting. Nice. Um, so just a question about like going back to kind of the gear stuff. And uh, this is like I say, I've kind of uh, started getting into looking at uh, new, getting a new set of boots here. And uh, do you use the same pair of boots for pretty much hunting anywhere? Or do you go for like something a little bit lighter whenever you're doing like, you know, flatland antelope hunting, or if you're doing a, you know, go versus going up in the, uh, up into the hills and everything for, uh, you know, elk, do you use a different mm -hmm. boot or use the same one all the time? Um, I, I try to mix them up, um, you know, early season archery for antelope, it's awful hot and I don't need a real aggressive, heavy leather, you know, leather boot. Uh, so in those instances, I'm often wearing just like a, a lightweight trail runner, if you will, just cause I'm covering country. I'm walking a lot, I'm hiking a lot, and I want something lightweight and breathable just cause it is typically hot in, in August when most of those antelope hunts open up. Uh, once I move into like September, um, you know, if I'm doing an archery deer or an archery elk hunt, um, I kind of have been, I, I've gone, I've done both, you know, I've done some, some like flexible, lightweight hikers and I've done okay. The issues you run into there is that once you kill something and you've got a lot of weight on your back, uh, I do find that I need that added stability and support. Uh, and so I have kind of gone back to uh, a more supportive, heavy duty, like all leather hiking, hunting boot, if you will. And then, um, you know, moving into late season, if I've got like a late season uh, rifle deer hunt in Colorado or something, you know, then I'll, I'll typically go for a same type of boot, a leather boot, but I'll maybe get some insulation in that thing. So, you know, 200, 400 grams of insulation. So um, I would say if you're going to buy one boot to do everything, uh, I, I would look at just like a nice un uninsulated, you know, leather hunting boot, you know, maybe an eight inch. Um, you know, kind of middle of the road, three flex, if you will, if, if you're looking at our flex scale, so relatively flexible, but still, you know, provide some support should you, you kill something and get a heavy pack. Gotcha. And I'll tell you, I know the stuff I've gotten on there, I think in the email I say, I just got my son, some of the, is it Sawela? I don't know how you pronounce it, but, uh, yeah. um, uh, for tack. Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. man, y'all's, y'all's customer service was like on point. Yeah. You know, I, got all my questions answered and I forgot who I was talking to. He says, he says, Oh, you kind of, kind of, kind of a, uh, Nick in your voice. Hey, man, it sounds like you got more, you got more questions before I let you go. And I thought, man, you don't ever get that from a customer service person. So shout out to whoever <laughs> yeah. answers y'all's phones out there. They were, they were, they were great to <laughs> answer all my yeah. questions on that. So that was awesome. That. Yeah. That'd be either, either yeah. Paul or Matt, I bet. And those guys filled a lot of calls. So they, they get to talk to a lot of people and, it's good to good to know that they're they're doing a good job and and assessing people's needs and taking care of them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That's important. awesome. We talk about that all the time about how uh, 
you know, that, that is something that should go into buying, you know, and choosing a brand or where you buy the gear that you buy is, you know, how are they going to take care of you before, during and after that sale? And, you know, somebody like that, where it's like, you can call there and, and you know, you trail here like, oh yeah, it could be Paul or Matt. Like, you know, these guys, and it's just like these two guys that mm-hmm. do all this, you know, and it's, it's not a robot on the phone or anything like that. And, uh, you know, like I said, that's very important whenever I choose a brand, you know, I like to have that support. I've used some brands before in the past where I'm like, Hey, you know, this thing, you know, failed on me or something like that. And some people that's how they respond to that is very important too. You know, it's like, Hey, you know, uh, we totally stand behind the thing or, you know, Hey, just go buy another pair. You know, it's, there's, there's a big difference there. And whenever you're shopping for it, you know, like in the go hunt store, like say having that customer services, it's a big deal. So, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're all hunters. I mean, we, you know, we, we all hunt there in the office. Every one of those guys that work in the, the warehouse or work in, um, you know, customer service, those guys hunt, um, you know, that the buyers, Brian Campos, Jared Pierce. I mean, those guys both hunt. We we all kind of we all apply in all the states. You know, we all you know try to try to put our uh, you know try to live the live it, do it. You know, walk the walk and also you know talk stock. <laughs> yeah, That's important too. You know, some of the people that that uh, you kind of run into in some of these shops. You know, it's it gets a, a bit frustrating. You know, when you're asking them questions, you can tell they're they're not either not out there or they've got some bullet points to to talk about so it's it's refreshing to to talk to people that actually use the product so that's great that's great yeah i mean our our approach to even the gear that we carry in the gear shop is the you know we we didn't want to be like a big box store and carry everything under the sun we wanted to to be really selective and, and really only carry things that we like and we use you know so a lot of the uh, gear that we select is, you know, gear that I've, I've used and liked or selected or, you know, other people in the office, you know, either Brady or Neville, um, you know, the, it's stuff that they like and use. So we don't try to carry everything under the sun either. We, we really try to keep a, you know, a fine-tuned, procured um, assortment of gear. Yeah, that's actually awesome. I didn't know that, that it's all procured. So you like, you, you go through there and you only put the stuff in there that you've used and you really you know, believe in it's a tested gear, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, it, it's an interesting process actually. Cause I mean, we, we try to carry gear at, at different price points to, to an extent, you know, we don't want to exclude people that, you know, potentially can't afford a, you know, $600 sleeping bag, if you will. We want to, when we give, you know, the people an option that want to, you know, buy a sleeping bag, but we really, I really do spend a lot of time going through and like looking at gear and assessing it for what it's, you know, made of. You know, whether it's uh, a down sleeping bag um, or a sleeping pad or a backpack or, you know, they, you know, even arrows. You know, we, we really do try to carry stuff that we really like, we, we, we think is going to work and is going to provide value for people. 100%. So I got to ask one more thing. Uh, I watched your, your Alaska care. How was the, uh, the last three days for you? <laughs> yeah, it was... <laughs> It was good. It was uh, it was a little boring, you know. I mean, I had. Uh, it's funny. We've I've had a bunch of people ask that, and they're like, "Oh, you know, were you were you dying to get out? Were you nervous? Were you anxious?" And I I was definitely ready to get out. You know, I'd been there for I think ten days already, and so I ended up being out there. I think like thirteen total, and um, I was definitely ready to get out uh, when when that plane. <laughs> And that plane flew in and, and he came back and he was like, yeah, some bad news. We can only take one of us. 
And I was like, you gotta be kidding me, you know? And uh, <laughs> I said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, let's just, let's just rock, paper, scissors for it. Whoever wins, you know, gets out of here. So I, I was a loser. We just played one round and, and, and Neville, Neville won and took off. Um, but to be honest, I, I've hunted a lot on my own. I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a loner, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I've done some, you know, 10, 10 to 11 day uh, solo backpack hunts where I didn't see another person. You know, it was just me. And so I've, I've done those types of hunts. I kind of knew, you know, what I was in for. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just, just, just tried to keep myself busy. You know, I went on short hikes. I, I hiked out to the end of the ridge one day and just sat down and looked, watched caribou. Um, you know, we had to hike water up from the, the river that was below camp. So, you know, every time, you know, every day about midday, I'd walk down and get some water. Uh, you know, my skull, I worked on that. I worked on, you know, anything I could possibly think of kind of worked on to occupy my time. It wasn't, wow. it wasn't too bad. They had a, had a buddy of mine that, that, uh, had went up there for a trip and, and I guess a storm came back in. It was their last day. They went back to their meeting point, and they heard the plane come in. They're ready, to, ready to go. It's same thing. He's up there for ten days or something. And uh, plane came down, and then took right back off again and circled around because because the, the storm came in and left them there. And uh, so they were boiling their moose meat and all that, you know. And, and uh, looking back on it, you know, I was asking him. I said, "Man, what'd you think?" And he goes, "Well, at the time, it was pretty shitty." <laughs> Yeah. we didn't know what was going to happen nobody knew he was out there our satellite phone was dead didn't know when he was coming back you know and uh but now he's like it was it was a pretty cool experience to really just kind of go back to primitive we got to survive somehow you know right. <laughs> so he uh he didn't enjoy it at the time but looking back he's like yeah you know it wasn't that bad now you know now that i'm home and i'm safe <laughs> so yeah yeah the only thing i was really kind of worried about like i said is i i ran out of fuel so i had I had ran out of, I had, the day before he picked me up, I had enough fuel that I thought I could cook. So I, I cut up a whole back strap and I cooked a whole back strap just because I figured if I get stuck out here, because I was checking the weather on my inReach and it looked to me, to be honest, like I could, could have been there an extra five days because the weather was, I mean, it was supposed to stay stocked, you know, really stocked in and rainy. So I thought I'm going to, I'm going to cook this whole back strap tonight and kind of use up my fuel. So I've got cooked meat if I need it. And then, uh, you know, I, I really didn't have any other food left. All I had was a, you know, a power bar, like a, you know, like a meal bar, meal replacement bar. And I had some of those energy chews, those goo energy chews. And then mm -hmm. I had, I had back straps. So uh, I wasn't starving by any means, but I was like, man, I'm kind of out of fuel. Um, it, it's kind of getting down to the point where I'm not having as much fun as I used to. And, um, I, right. I was, I was glad. Uh, I was glad when he showed up to pick me up. I will say the one thought I kept having, and I have this a lot when I'm hunting, you know, and things get hard, is uh, I always think, you know, probably four or five days from now when I get out of here, you know, I'm going to be sitting in front of my computer at my desk working. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm fortunate. I'm out, I'm out here on the landscape. I got caribou all around me. I got grizzly bears I can watch. You know, it, it could be worse. I could be at my computer working. <laughs> I, I, I say i could never do one of those desk jobs where i'm just there at the desk all the time man mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, they uh yeah. i know it was we had we had a storm come in last year i'm sure like everybody else during hunting season and we're in august and it's snowing and you know and of course no unfortunately 
you know, didn't prepare for anything winter, you know, opening archery and, yeah. and uh storm came in and started snowing and these little trees were falling around our tent. We thought, this is how we're going to die. We're literally going to be sleeping and a tree's going to fall on us. You know, like this is crazy. <laughs> I've, like, I've been there, man. We're, we're seven man. We are not going back. You know, we're, we're in it to win it, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it was a great experience. Great experience. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, those, go ahead. I was going to say, sometimes it's those experiences though, that are really the most formative for you. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's where you really learn a lot of the lessons that you take forward, you know, cause I did that one time in, uh, went hiking with my brother and my brother-in-law in uh, Smoky Mountains. And we did like 25 and a half miles over like two and a half, three days or something. Mm. And uh, it was just like so brutal to the point where, uh, you know, I was carrying, I think about 45, 55 pounds on my back. And like, it got to the point where there's sometimes where I had so little gas in the tank that I couldn't even stand up. I had to get them to pick me up to get off of my legs and then my legs weren't to give out. And it's like, now I learned so many lessons from that trip. It's like, I'm already know where to start or where not to fall, you know, on the next time I go out and do something like that, or if I'm going out to do a, you know, sure. uh, elk hunt out there, you know, I know where, where I failed, but then like I say, I look back on that where I thought, like you said, Dean, like, Oh man, I might die here. You know, <laughs> I looked back on that, yeah. you know, having, having hypothermia there at the top of the mountain thinking like, okay, I'm going to die in my sleeping bag tonight, you know? And it's like, you learn so many lessons, but then I look back upon that with so much, like, uh, I, I just love that moment. Cause it's like, I, I, never been in that situation you rarely get in that situation where you're that low you know and it makes you yeah. feel a lot better about everything else too yeah and the, the, the fact that you didn't die you know <laughs> that, you, that, that, that you handled it right that like yeah. you, you, you dealt with it you know did it suck at the time sure but then you know you get back to, to civilization you get a hot shower you get a hot meal and you look back on it and you're like you know i i can do this like i can do hard things and i i think about those types of experiences a lot i I mean, I don't know. I think maybe it's Cameron Haynes that has, has said before that, like, you know, as bad as things suck, you know, they can be really, really bad. He's never more than maybe 10 hours from a cold Mountain Dew, right? Which is, <laughs> which is, is true. I mean, yeah. no, no, bad, no matter how bad it gets, you know, you kind of learn to, to deal with it and uh, that you can get through it. And next time you go, you put yourself into that situation, you're that much farther ahead mentally because you've, you've done it before. You know that you can handle it. Absolutely, man. And like I say, like, it just makes you feel better about it. And it's just like, it almost leaves you wanting more adventure after that, you know? And so it's like, okay, where's the, where's the next spot, you know, where we're going from here. So, and uh, it's ultimate growth. I was going to say, I was on a a late season elk hunt one time, archery elk hunt in Arizona. And I was, you know, bivvied out down in the canyon. I was kind of up on this little knoll in the middle of the night. I had a, a, I mean, just, massive windstorm i mean just howling and i did i had a great big dead dug fur come down about 40 feet from my privy in the middle of the night and i mean that thing just shook i mean it shook the ground and uh i took everything threw it in my backpack and hiked out i mean i hiked probably two and a half miles three o'clock in the morning up to the top of the ridge to where i felt like i was in a better spot but stuff like that can happen It's, it's scary oh man shitting bricks after that i bet <laughs> actually uh, I, I killed a bull the next morning it was kind of interesting like <laughs> yeah i i got up in the next morning and i was like man the wind was just blowing i thought well if there's going to be any bulls they're going to be down this canyon bottom so i peeled off and glassed down into the bottom and right down in the bottom tucked in there was a, a nice six point bull and i had the wind blowing right 
right, right. I mean, right as good as it could possibly be as far as direction goes. I mean, it was just howling. I thought, oh, this is the easiest stock I'll ever make in my life. I did. I essentially walked up to that pool. It was, it was great. <laughs> Poke him with the arrow. I shot That's him amazing. at, uh, yeah, 30, 34 yards. And it was, I mean, oh. yeah, wind was blowing so loud that, you know, I, I had plenty of plenty of cover sound and, you know, he couldn't have, couldn't have smelled me because it was blowing from him to me. It, it worked out pretty good. Nice, nice. Well, man, Trayla, thanks for coming on, man. I think I appreciate it. Like I say, we're just trying to uh, – the, the ultimate goal of this podcast is really to start out just like uh, for people that are new to this, for people that are, you know, like, you know, don't have, you know, all their money to dump into, you know, gear and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your perspective on that because you're the guy. You're the gear guy. You know, you test all this stuff. You use the stuff in the field. And like I say, it's, uh, that's really awesome, man. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, – download and go hunt here into uh or mm -hmm. actually i've already got it on my, my phone I'm, i need to start using that as a mapping app though because like i said it's number yep. one so, as soon as y'all released it about like i said about six seven months ago it was like that was immediately people were telling me like hey man you gotta try this you gotta try this you gotta try this so mm -hmm. yeah that'd be great man so thanks yeah. for going on anybody any way you want to uh shout out like social media or anything like that where you uh people can reach out to you yeah, you can follow me on uh, I'm I'm on Instagram, just trailk11 is my handle. Uh, I'm I'm not super active. I'm active enough, but not super active on uh, Instagram. Um, if if you guys got questions, you know you can DM me there. Um, you can reach out to me. Just trail at gohunt.com is my email address. If you got gear questions or questions about Go Hunt and how that platform works, um, you know if you are an insider and you, you want to know how to get the most out of your your platform and your membership, I would never hesitate to reach out. You know we're more, we're more than happy to to help people out. And you know really, I mean, I mean I I work here for a living for a job. You know to provide, um, but but really I I do get a ton of personal satisfaction just helping people. You know getting getting started into hunting, and I know that the the hurdle is high. Uh, getting into Western big game hunting, especially if you've never hunted before out West or if you've never hunted at all. So I, I fully realize how, um, you know, complex and how intimidating that can be. But, um, you know, I would say just, just do it. You know, all the resources are there for you. You know, we're more than happy to answer questions for you. The membership is really handy to help you get into, uh, you know, Western big game hunting and, and, and just do it. It's definitely more feasible than you think. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, like I say, I really appreciate you demystifying that process for for people because uh, yeah this is the only way that we're going to really grow the sport of hunting you know and it's really it's mm -hmm. like a you know I, I picked it up from my grandfather and everything and that's that's kind of like it, it, it's like his legacy to me and so it's like you know i want to do is pass that on to people and that's why i started this channel is i just want to reach more people and you know kind of make make the inaccessible accessible and uh you know I, i'd ever pitch this channel as like hey i'm an expert follow me but it's like hey i'm learning watch me succeed watch me fail and let's use that you know to better ourselves so for sure yeah well thanks a lot for being on everybody go follow trail crates are there and uh like i say follow us and uh, like this video give a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel if you're not and uh thanks for watching guys and as always keep defying the odds thanks for having me <laughs>